So there's this, this iconic scene from one of the greatest movies of all time, Say It With Me, The Princess Bride. As I dug into our text today, which is one of the parables of Jesus, we'll read it in a moment, you might find yourself familiar with. I, as I dug into that, this scene kept coming to my subconscious. Got a very good arms. He didn't fall? Inconceivable. You keep using the horde. I don't think it means what you think it means. Today, we're going to look at a story that Jesus told his followers, which is commonly known as the parable of the unjust judge. And it might not mean what we think it means. If you'd like to find it and follow along, that's great. It comes from the book of Luke chapter 18. Listen well to the story of Jesus. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable about their need to pray always and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that same city, there was a widow who kept coming to him saying, grant me justice against my opponent. For a while, he refused, but after some time, he said to himself, "Eh, although I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her request so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And then Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God grant justice? For his chosen ones who cried to him day and night, will he not delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I was drawn to this story to engage with, with you today, I'll be honest, I thought to myself, easy. A story, a parable on prayer, persistent prayer. I love prayer, I love this, let's do it. And then I came across a parable scholar who claimed that this is one of the more difficult parables. And in fact, if the introduction of any parable is misplaced, it would be here. And that's the part where Jesus says, this is a story on prayer. (laughs) So, super. As I engaged with it further, I started to realize, I think this guy might be right about this parable. And then I realized, okay, now I'm committed to it. I have to go with it. Uh, Then I realized, all right, we're doing this. And then I had some fun. And so contrary to what I may have anticipated for today, here is what I came up with as a way forward for us. This story offers us two things, a kingdom reality and an inconceivable undertaking. 
You see what I did there? The kingdom reality is just straight gospel truth. You are seen. You are heard. You are loved. And God is anything but the unjust judge. And I happen to think that the label of unjust is a kind understatement when it comes to this guy. He, he goes against Jesus' main primary commandments to love God and love your neighbor, and he openly has disdain for them. And Jesus claims that God is anything but like him. Do you know that, though? Really? I wonder, even if we, even if we do cognitively understand that God here is being negatively compared, negatively contrasted with this judge. Is it possible yet that we internalize the story and the reality of ourselves as the widow and of God as this judge? Or is that just me? Am I the only one who does that, who gets caught in the scarcity mindset when it comes to God with an expectation that my prayers are just received as the widows were, as water-dripping annoyance. Maybe it's just me. But if you've ever found yourself in a similar pattern of thinking, hear me again. God is anything but the unjust judge. Again, Jesus says, this is verse 6, he says, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. Widows like this woman, the woman we find in the story, um, I'll, I'll just paint a little bit of a contextual picture for us. Widows like her found themselves in a particularly desperate situation. I don't know if you know much about the value system for women in, first, in the first century, uh, but it's bad. And here's a little bit more. Whatever this woman's age, when her husband died, she was left with no means of support. If he had an estate, she did not inherit it. If she stayed with her husband's family, her position would have been close to that of a servant. If she decided to go back to her family, the, the money that was exchanged for her at the time of the wedding, also there was money that was exchanged for her at the time of her wedding, would be returned, had to be returned. And she may even find herself in a position of needing to be sold as a slave because of her debt. And so she, this woman boldly, repeatedly approaches a selfish, vile man of power to ask for justice. That's, that's one kind of desperation. And it makes me wonder what kind of desperation you have found yourself in in your life. Or maybe what kind of desperation you find yourself in now. 
And, and I also wonder, how, how does God see you in it? Is he up there, away on his throne, looking down, batting you away with your requests, batting you away with your problems, like a pesky fly? We're in the middle of summer in Michigan. We know what that's like. Or is God anything but the unjust judge? Listen to me right now. Your addiction and shame narratives do not exclude you from God's love. It has not been one too many times. Your deep longing that you carry does not turn you into a broken record of need before God in your tearful prayers. You are not alone in the isolation of your disappointment, in the consequence of your decision. In your desperation, is it possible, could it be, that God is anything but the unjust judge? He is so unlike that judge that he wants to break down the barriers you build because that kind of God would be too good to be true. He wants to erase the caveats you make because you'll probably just get disappointed by him if he doesn't act. He wants to remove every provision you set up for yourself so that you'll never actually have to truly rely on him or need him in any real way. Could it be that God is anything but the unjust judge? Um, who told this story again? Do you remember? Oh, right. It was Socrates. Right, okay, the great philosopher. He had a, a pretty good idea of how things work in the universe. Oh, wow. No, that, that's not it at all. Um, it was the prolific fabulist Aesop, right? He understood the balance of life and morality. It was Jesus. He came to earth to find us where we are, to suffer with us so that we're not alone. He walks our fears and our sadnesses with us. Oh, and he said, when you have seen me, you've known the Father. Maybe that God is anything but the unjust judge. I was with a friend named Jeremy the other day. He, he happens to know anxiety. He happens to know loss. He happens to know disappointment. He happens to know control. He will admit that in his life with God, the trust factor has never really felt like an option because honestly, there's just too much at stake. I asked him what it, it would look like for him if he were to trust God completely with his life, with his family, 
Um, Well, his expectation of that, he shared with me very honestly, very candidly, is that if he did it, pain would follow. God would have hard lessons to teach him. Life might be worse than it is now, even in the midst of all of, all of his grasping and anxious controlling. He has, oh, he has the utmost respect for those who can trust God like that, but that's just not, it's not him. What if God were anything but the unjust judge? In this parable, Christ names loud and clear this kingdom reality about the character of God. And that's where, that's where everything needs to start. That's the starting point for everything that's to follow. That's where we need to start in order to keep going into what's asked of us next in this parable, this inconceivable undertaking, as some might call it. I want to argue that this story is less a story about the necessity for repeated persistent prayer. Although I also believe that there is every reason in scripture to believe that there is room for for repeated persistent prayer and even a necessity for it in our own life with God. In the case of this story, however, this parable, as I went there first, That's when the voice of Inigo Montoya kept coming to my head in form of an earworm. I do not think this means what you think it means. So instead, the the undertaking I find we're being called into in persistence, in perseverance, and in prayer is faithfulness to the end. So Jesus begins this parable by claiming that perseverance in prayer is what will keep us from losing heart. And then we encounter the the character of God who is unlike the judge. And then Jesus concludes at the very end by asking this poignant question. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? If you're searching, in here at least, for a promise that every prayer we offer here on this earth will get answered in the way we ask it, I think you're going to be disappointed. Um, In fact, we have reason to believe that prayers won't all be answered in that way. But you're not alone in that either. Jesus himself offered a number of prayers that seem to still be left unanswered, one of which was his prayer in the garden as he was on his way to the cross, a prayer he prayed so desperately that he sweat blood. He prayed not to have to go that way. He prayed not to have to go to the cross. That prayer clearly left unanswered. And he also prayed this beautiful prayer for his disciples and for future believers that are to come. He prayed for you and for me. And you know what he prayed for? He prayed for unity in the church. I don't know if that has yet to be fully realized. And even so, Jesus, who knew these prayers, he promises here that God sees, God 
hears and God acts. And we're talking about prayer to the end. We have an inconceivable undertaking to pray in faith until the day comes that all is right again, until the day comes that Christ returns to find faith on earth. So yes, the story is about prayer, but a different kind of prayer, prayer to the end. Lives of perseverance and faith that don't become weary when things don't make sense, and they don't a lot of the time. And unlike that despicable judge, we have a God that wants the same things that we do. At least that's what we claim when we pray with Jesus, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray with the Spirit to the end. There's a story of a man named George Mueller. He lived over 500 years ago in England. He had five close friends who were not believers who didn't know Christ, and he prayed for each of them faithfully. It took about five years for the first one of his friends to receive Christ, to know God. In the span of the next 10 years, two more of his friends accepted Christ. He prayed for his fourth friend for 25 years before that person became a Christian. And his fifth friend, he prayed up until his dying day. It wasn't until months after he died that that friend came to know Jesus. And Jesus tells this story today because he knows we need encouragement to pray and not lose heart until the end. Just in case that story is a little too far removed, a little too far back, it's in England, so a little bit too far away, uh, listen, listen to this. You remember, you know, our friend Christy, who has stayed and worked as a missionary in her home of Joss, Nigeria, even though there's persecution there for Christians, even though there are attacks, even though there are deaths and killings that happen regularly. She knows pain. She knows longing. She knows sickness. She's had COVID. She's had malaria. She's had typhoid multiple times. And she's been praying for a long time. Recently, more recently, around the time of her birthday, she prayed for a special kind of gift. Oh, nothing for herself. (laughs) It was a gift that could be outpoured for her community so that they could experience Christ. It was around that time that we as a church at Pillar began raising funds. We, we sought to raise $5,000 to put into that community a sustainable water source in the form of a borehole. Well, guess what? We just completed a wire transfer for over 18 thousand dollars to Christy because for her and for us that's what it looks like to undertake the inconceivable and stay faithful to stay engaged to stay generous to stay persistent to pray always and not lose heart to the end by the way listen to this from 
Christy, watch this from Christy. I asked her to share with us what $18,000 of generosity is going to do for the kingdom in her community. Thank you so much, Pillar Community, for your love, for your generosity, and your sacrifices. The progress report of the project we are doing with the money you gave to us. The borehole, the process has started. We already drew the borehole, as you can see on the video clip. And again, we are going to buy this house for the children of the community to be able to have a place to sit down and study the Word of God. And we're sponsoring four young people from four different communities to be able to learn skills that will help them and rescue them from all kinds of vices they found themselves in because of poverty. And we're going to help 200 widows this weekend with food and 100 girls that were rescued from terrorists. We're also going to help with food as they're living in a hostel now. Thank you. May the Lord bless you. Thank you so much, Christy. We love you dearly. When I look around the sanctuary on Sunday mornings these days, and I know I don't see the full picture. There are so many who join um, in this way on Sundays. But when I look around the sanctuary in person, I have to admit it's different. It's beautiful, it's wonderful, but it's different than it was before we faced a worldwide pandemic together. There are people here now who weren't here before. There are people who were here before who who aren't here now for any number of reasons. So let me just ask, let me just say, if you're still here, (laughs) whether physically or with me here in this way, can we get in on this undertaking, this kingdom undertaking together? Can we get to it? I know it's the holiday weekend, but there's something so much bigger going on, and I want to be in on it with you. So pray and don't lose heart. And I wonder if that could happen in the bodily acts of prayer through service, bringing the kingdom to the end. You guys, if you're local, Kids Hope is desperate for mentors for this coming year to provide support for, those, for our sweet elementary school kids in this community who just are longing for love. And Good Samaritan Ministries and Community Action House, they can't serve the Holland community without volunteers who are willing to see the person that everyone else looks past. And and if you don't even want to go out there, if you're here, you just want to start at Pillar, guess what? We need you down here in the basement teaching kids, loving kids the truth of God's word and modeling his love. Will the Son of Man find faith on earth? And if you're not local, by the way, you get to be creative. (laughs) Listen to the needs of where you are. Check in on the status of life around you, community around you. And find out how you can pray in action. And I also want to ask if we can pray and not lose heart by actually 
praying to the end. There's a men's group that meets together on Fridays to pray. There's a prayer group that meets together on Mondays over Zoom to pray. That means wherever you are right now, you can join that group by Zoom every week. And this Wednesday, come to love and encourage and support and to pray for our friend Lori as she visits from Mexico on a homestay. And there'll be snacks. And don't tell somebody, I'll pray for you at the end of a conversation. Pray for them there, (laughs) then. Do it together before you leave. And Jesus asked, will the Son of Man find faith on earth? You know your kingdom reality. You know the God we have, who is anything but the unjust judge. You are loved And God is for you and is for this world. So let's undertake the inconceivable together and be faithful till the end. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.